is good, good, good. Well, I do covet your prayers. I'm telling you, it's amazing how the enemy comes against you and, or, or me in, in so many different ways. But I'm glad to know that, thank God, I've got victory in Christ. Glad to know 1 John 4, 1 says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, I need your prayers always do, but in a special way tonight. I'm going to begin reading Acts chapter 1 at verse 1. Read down through and include at least probably, I don't know, maybe verse 11. Share a little message that the Father has laid on my heart, and I trust that it will glorify Him, trust that it will edify you. Luke is the writer. He is the only Gentile to write anything in the Word of God. He wrote two books. This is the second, and he addresses the same man in both books. So no one knows who Theophilus is, but he was a man undoubtedly that wanted, wanted to know more about God. He said, the former treaties... Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own hands. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said also, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye? Gazing up into heaven, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Father, we're thankful tonight for the privilege of being in this place with brothers and sisters. Thank you for the singing of the, of the choir, the testimonies of your people, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how we need him to move among us. And Father, we're praising uh, you for his presence. Pray now, God, for this word that is before us, this message that you have directed me to. I pray, Master, that it might, Lord, be a blessing. Have your own way, Father. Refresh this mind, loosen this tongue, and help me set forth the word of God in a way that's edifying and glorifying. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all, for we ask it in that name that's above every name, the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen and Amen. I, I, I'm not going to reread any verse of Scripture from that passage, but as you know, it, it is a record of the day. Forty days after Jesus' 
crucifixion and resurrection that he ascended back to the Father. He came from the Father. He went back to the Father. And the good news tonight is he's coming back again. Hey, his work is not done. His salvation is completed, but his work is not done. So I'm going to talk to you tonight just a little while about this. Things Christ has left the church Things Christ has left the church. Now, listen to me, folks. This is not an exhaustive list that I have. It's just three, four, maybe five things that I'm going to briefly look at, things that I think are important, things that I think we can all understand and embrace. But listen, though he cried, though he cried in John chapter 19, maybe verse 30, it is finished. Hey, friend, in many ways, after he said that, it's just begun. Amen. He completed, fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies pointing to him, speaking of him, of referring to him, and he completed everything. Let me say that again. He completed everything that needed to be done to provide salvation for whosoever will. But I'll listen, friend, when he made that cry, he may have came to an end of his work on the mission that he came, but the work for you and I has just began. And we, friend, you and I, have some unfulfilled tasks that we ought to embrace and do our best to fulfill them. Now let me say this. This message, friend, is for every generation. I mean to tell you, I'm going to look at the, look at the great uh, commission in just a moment. Matter of fact, that'll probably be the first one um, that I look at, first or the second one. Can I tell you this? The great commission is no one generation's responsibility to fulfill, but it is every generation's responsibility to do their part while they're on planet Earth to get as many people to hear the gospel and receive Christ by faith as possible. We have an unfulfilled task. And listen to me tonight, my friend. If we don't do it, nobody else will. That's good admonition right there. You say, well, what is the unfinished task? Well, it's that. What I just told you, it, it is the Great Commission. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Those of you that would do that, that I believe it's always good. Nothing like a pastor or a preacher, if he's evangelizing, hearing the pages of the Bible turn on the laps of people or hearing him preach. And you say, well, preacher, I know that passage. I can quote that passage. Well, la-dee-da, good for you. It'll make it better then if you turn and read it one more time. Do you hear me? We can never too often and too much read the Word of God. Now, let me say something to you. This passage is off-mentioned when any preacher is referring to the Great Commission, and here's why. But I'm not done after I read it. Listen to what he said. He said in verses 16, Matthew's record goes, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a place where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, 
All power, man, I like that. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now that is referred to in, in, in Christian circles by every theologian that I've read after. It's known as the Great Commission. But may I tell you, sir, man, it's mentioned in four other places in the Word of God. It's mentioned in Mark chapter 16, in the book of Luke chapter uh, 24, the book of John 21, and Acts 1, where I just read to you. Do you know what our unfulfilled task is? It is to take the gospel message into all the world to whosoever will, so that they might hear, believe, and receive Christ as their Savior. I'm going to tell you something. The church's responsibility is to go out, bring them in, build them up, send them out so that they can bring them in, so we can build them up, so we can send them out. It is a never-ending cycle. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And let me tell you something. Newsflash. Newsflash. So winning. Witnessing is every member's responsibility. Everybody save, say amen. You've got a responsibility to tell the good news. Did I just lose my hearing or did it get quiet? Did y'all hear me on that side? Did y'all hear me on that side? You say, preacher, I've not been called. I, I don't have the gift of witnessing. No, but you've got the command to witness. You, you don't have to have a gift. All you have to do is have the love of Christ in your heart like Paul did and realizing that if he died for me, he died for everybody. And unless we speak the message, men and women are going to die lost forever. Y'all not getting that or liking it too much, one or the other or both. I'm telling you, free and listen, if our gospel, 1 Corinthians 4 says, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. It's our gospel. And we're to tell it. When you say, preacher, I, I, I don't have that gift. I don't have that calling. You may not, but let me ask you a few questions. I'm going to set you up, all right? Y'all go along with me, but I'm going to set you up. If you're saved, say amen. If you've been baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, say amen. Well, you've got all you need right there. You're qualified. Now go with the good news. That's good preaching. I don't think you like it, Josh, but that's good preaching. I want you all to get those track bars up, David, you and Josh. Now, they've been working on it. They've been making a track rack for 23 and a half years now. Now, they got it made, and here's the deal. I'm, I, you know how I'm just playing with them. They got it went from the wood. It was on the altar at the old building. So they've had trouble kind of getting it to cooperate. Am I right? Boy, David, you should have shook your head yes, do you? We're all human. But anyway, I just want y'all to know that they're working on it. And listen, listen, I'm going to tell you, I stink with tracks. I'm better at those little business cards in my pocket. 
But I've tried carrying tracks. I've tried doing it. But can I tell you what, friend, listen, we can all become witnesses. And by the way, whether we carry a piece of paper or not, we are witnessing good or bad for Jesus Christ. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll do it the right way. An unfulfilled task. You know, it amazes me when Jesus came, when he came. He didn't come when communication was like it is today. When you could get on a, a cell phone, he could be seen around the world. But I'm going to tell you what, his message has traveled to and far. Thank God. I mean, to tell you the good news of the gospel, it has traveled. And you know what? You know what? He wants it to travel in me and in you. And listen again to what, uh, what the writer says. Ye shall receive power. And after you have received power, listen, it's not an option. I'm preaching a command to you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in your home, among your family, at your workplace, in your school, at your supermarket, in your PTA. It doesn't matter where your close circle of living is. That is your Jerusalem. And then Judea. How many times has Dunbar been uh, knocked on the doors? This third time, I think, since I've been here, Judy, and it been... Didn't we do it twice before this last time? I think if Gail and Sue was here, I'm thinking it was three times. Now, I could be wrong. I'm not good with numbers. But anyway, three sounds better than two. Y'all agree with that? So anyway, Josh and I were talking, and I said, maybe it's time for us to go a little beyond our Jerusalem into Samaria. Man, listen, friend, there, there's, there is South Charleston on the other side. There, there's North Charleston on this side. We never, listen, let me tell you something. We can never give, we can never give the gospel to the wrong person. Y'all don't know Tom Malone. I got tickled when I was trying to say that because my mind's working. I remember. Man, he was a great man of God. Somebody called him the greatest pulpiteer. In, in, in the last century, and I don't doubt it. He was just a phenomenal preacher, phenomenal preacher. Sixty-some years, he and his wife lived at the same address, had the same phone number, was a very successful pastor, great conference speaker. Just, and now listen, he was a motivator, but he wasn't a motivational speaker. Oh, y'all should have. Big difference. He proclaimed the gospel. He, he wouldn't like a lot of these young bucks that sit on the chair with a t-shirt on and blue jeans and motivate. He motivated by declaring, Thus saith the Lord. Had a touch of God on him. He said he got a call one day at home. And he said, Hello? And they said, well, we're asking for, he said, well, this, is, this is Tom Malone. He said, oh, oh, excuse me. He said, I've got the wrong number. Tom said, no, I told him. He said, no, wait, wait just a minute. Wait, you didn't get the wrong number. You got the right number. You, you, have you ever known, you heard about Jesus since you're But anyway, hey, listen, I like that kind of attitude. I like that kind of thinking. I wish I was that quick. But none of us can ever give the gospel the good news that Jesus saved to the wrong individual at the wrong time. And listen, let me tell you something. We ought to be just as passionate, uh, passionate about getting, getting that message to our family when they're alive and well like we are when they're dead and dying. It's amazing to me how concerned we get with, with people and their souls that they're near eternity. And now, Jennifer, I'm not just saying this because you testified about your grandpa, sis. Okay? 
But I've had people to tell me, look, my uncle's dying, my cousin's dying, my brother's dying, my mom's dying, my grandpa's dying. And, and I looked at them and said, well, do, do, do you know whether or not they're saved? No. Will you go preach, talk to them, preacher? Yeah, but I want, you know what I always want to say? Why haven't you? Why haven't you? It's not, listen to me, everybody listening right now, say amen. It's not only our responsibility, it is our privilege. We've got the message of life that they need. We can change their eternity with it if we'll just share it. So we've got an unfulfilled task. Number two, we've got an unchanging message. Go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15. Boy, I, I, I like this. I, these are such simple points. I've had this message for absolutely don't know how long. I, I preached at a time or two. I know I preached it at Casey, but I'm giving it to you all tonight. This is what he said in the first four verses. Paul was right. Boy, thank God for the church of Corinth. Thank God for that motley bunch of believers who Paul called brethren. They, they were a mess, absolute mess. I'm telling you, they were a mess. But in God, the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul to write the two letters that he did to the church of Corinth. We have the greatest chapter on love ever written, 1 Corinthians 13. We have the greatest chapter on the gifts of the Spirit, chapters 12 and 14 of the book of 1 Corinthians. We have the greatest chapter on the resurrection, uh, chapter 15 of the book of 1 Corinthians. We've got the greatest chapter on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I could, I could go on and on. Hey, listen and listen to what we've got here. In 1 Corinthians 15, he said, Moreover, brethren, you know what that means? That means more and more of it. That means just a lot more of it. Brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also if ye you, uh, you are saved, if ye keep in memory what are preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. You know, people can believe in the message of the gospel without believing in the person of the gospel. It's not enough to believe the message. You've got to believe him. You've got to trust him. This is what Paul said, how important this is. For, he said, I delivered unto you first of all. Notice that phrase, first of all. You know what that means? That means of primary importance. Hey, listen, friend, listen, listen, listen to this old preacher. Listen to your pastor. If we ever grow, and this isn't true growth, to the point we think we don't need to declare the gospel anymore, we've grown the wrong way. If we ever stop proclaiming the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we may be preaching something, but we won't be preaching the gospel that Jesus expects us to preach. Everything that we are, everything that we do, every part of ministry that we try to do as a believer, as a group here at Roxalana, must be built upon the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything else is sinking sand. Now, you know mine and your conversation, that'll black eye the devil a little bit, just in case we've been failing in our mission. Josh and I talk about uh, how we can see the church grow. Do y'all ever talk like that? Wonder if I'm doing something I shouldn't be. Wonder if I'm not doing something I should be. I mean, I'm all the time examining myself. Do you? Hey, listen, I didn't mean that. Are you examining me? I know you're doing that, but I'm asking, are you examining you? Take it personal. That's what I want. Take it personal. And I take it personal. 
When somebody leaves, I expect, well, it's my fault. I mean, really, when something happens, I expect this. And look, friend, they tell me that everything rises and falls on leadership. Now, whether that's 100% right, I'm not sure. But I know it's a big statement that's bigger true than not. So I'm going to do my best. Now, look, y'all don't worry me near as, near as much as what I'm going to say. I, I want your approval. Y'all understand? I want you to love me. I, 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 want, I want to gain your trust. I want you to honor me in the position that I am in. I, I hope you say that you're glad that TK is your pastor. Not have to say, well, we got Tom Price down there. You know, something like that. Well, I mean that. But listen, friend, listen. I want to glorify God. And I know that, that, that getting His approval is way more important than yours. I want yours. Have you heard me say that? Say amen. But I want Jesus' more. If I'm preaching what he wants, listen, and I've got his touch on it, listen, in many ways I can care less if you like it or not. But you know what I've learned over the 45 years plus I've been preaching? If he likes it and you're in love with him, you'll like it too. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. But listen, we've got an unfulfilled task and we've got an unchanging message. This is what he goes on to say. I declare to you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins. Five greatest words written in the Word of God. That's my opinion. Christ died for our sins. Isn't that amazing? I'm not trying to belittle the resurrection. I know it's important. I know his death would mean nothing had he not risen three days later. And I don't know about you, but I get excited when I realize that somebody took my sins away. Somebody paid a price that I could not pay. And that somebody, I met him. I know him. He's Jesus tonight. If you've ever been a sinner, that ought to excite the snot out of you too. Amen. Died for my sin. Now look, nobody knew me like I knew myself. I was a sinner bound for a devil's hell. That's where I should be tonight. Were it not for two things, three things. I could go on more and more. I could keep building the list. Thank God, listen, for three things. An empty tomb, the grace of God, and the love that he bestowed upon me. I deserved hell. I Listen, friend, I won't list my sins that I was, though I could. Do you know what? Although I remember them, I know somebody that has forgotten them. Well, actually, in, in, to be, in, in, to be, in, in to be in line with the Scripture, he hadn't forgotten. He's, he just chose not to remember. Big difference. Look, I forget. He chooses not to remember. Big, big difference. You know what we need to keep preaching? We need to keep hammering and hounding this fact that we're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. We ought to say it so much that you all start saying it yourself. We ought to have a little mantra on the count of three. We're saved by grace through faith. Say it again. We're saved by grace through faith. Know the way, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's more than church membership. It's not baptism. It's not this, it's that. It's by the work of the grace of God that God does on the soul of a lost sinner who says, I repent and by faith receive. Well, if that don't want you to make you flat foot this pulpit, I don't know what would. There 
there's no other way that I could be saved. I come from an old coal mining community, an old coal miner's family. I'd, hey, listen, how many of y'all know what, what calling wet and dry is? Let me see you raise your hand. Now, see, Debbie does. We were supporting, this is the truth, over in Boone County when we'd get together and choose up sides for ball teams. Over here in the big city, somebody pull out a nickel or a penny and flip it and you'd call it and say what? Heads or? You know what we'd do? Nobody, anybody got a penny, anybody got a nickel? No, somebody would find a black rock, spit on one side of it, flip it up and say, wet or dry. That's who was decided to get the first choice. I'm telling you, friend, listen, I, hey, I'm glad, though it costs God his very best, I'm glad it costs me nothing but for me to deposit my faith in the work Christ had done. How wonderful that is. How wonderful. And it's an unchanging message. I've been saved for 50, 48 years. And that, that's amazing. That's astounding to me. But can I tell you what, friend, listen, if you get saved today, it'll be just as sweet and real for you as it was for me. It's an unchanging message that God saved by grace through faith. And he saves anybody and everybody because we all are sinners. Number three, I like this. Go back to Acts chapter 1. I like this verse. Look, look focus at verse 8. If you don't care with me, focus it at verse 8 and listen now. Listen to what he says. Excuse me. But ye, now I know he was speaking to the apostles, and you'll say, that's who he was speaking to, preacher. But you all know that they represent the church. In, in some amazing way, they were representatives of who, and, who you and I are. And he says, but ye, now listen, not may, or not, you know, you can hope, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Can I tell you, friend, listen, we've still got the unlimited power of the gospel. How many of y'all been touched by the power of the gospel? Say amen. How many of you all know when I talk about power, the power of the gospel, how many of y'all really know what it is when I speak? I'm going to tell you what, friend. I don't know how to quantify it, how to explain it. But here's the way that I, I'm going to do it. It's unlike any other power that you've ever felt. And when you feel it, you may not be able to explain it, but you'll know it. It's kind of like that fellow that said, uh, how did Nebuchadnezzar know that it was Jesus, that fourth man in the furnace? My answer is, said, look, buddy, when you see God, you'll know him. Amen. You'll not have to ask, who is that? You'll know who he is. Go with me to two places, just two places. And then, and then we'll move on. First Thessalonians, or First Corinthians, chapter two. Man, I love this passage. I preached from it not too long ago from this very pulpit when Paul came to Corinth. When he came to that great crossroads of the world, Corinth, man, was the place. Okay, I mean to tell you, it was it was full of paganism, philosophy, idolatry. Uh, you talking about false religions, heathendom. You're talking about illicit, uh, illicit whatever, you name it, and it was practiced. 
Matter of fact, a few things were invented there. They even used to talk about becoming Corinthicized. You know what that means? When you come from another part of the country and you come to Corinth, you're changing the ways of the Corinth, meaning you become Corinthicized. Listen to what he tells them. Listen to what Paul tells us. Now here's a man who can speak five languages, if I remember correctly. Here's a man that sat at the foot of Gamaliel, Gamaliel however you want to pronounce Here's a man that went to the greatest schools at Cilicio, his hometown, that he could hear as a man that forged new ground as a Pharisee. And listen to what he said. Here is a man, friend, that was educated. I just, just listen, as much as a man in that day could be educated. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Y'all know what that means? That means he was a step above all the rest. I mean, he was forging his way into new places, new things, new ideas, new, new, new inventions, spiritually speaking. And that, that's use of the term strangely in the right way. Listen to what he said. He said, for I, brother, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know nothing, know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was naught but enticing words of men's wisdom. You, hey, can I tell you all something before I finish that verse? I don't have great oratory, oratorical powers. I know that. I'm, I'm not mesmerizing. I'm not a, I don't have natural talents as a motivator. I want to tell you all something. If I don't have the message of this book, and a little bit of the power of God on me that's on the, on the gospel message itself. I don't have anything for you. Can I tell you what I prayed like crazy 45 plus years ago when God called me to preach? I, hey, look, I was so... Can I just testify a minute? I'll give you one more point and then we'll kick. Can I, can I just testify just a minute? When I was, I was so dumb when I got called to preach, I thought if I didn't hack, I didn't have it. And you say, what do you mean hacking? I grew up in, in a in a, in a uh, tradition and in, and in a place where preachers hacked. They always gripped their ear, not all of them, but they'd cup their ear. Now listen, brother, I, I want to tell you tonight, bless God, hallelujah, glory to God, ain't it good? Amen. And he'd never tell us anything. Right? Am I right, Debbie? I mean, I mean, it would sound good and it would feel good and there'd even be a touch of God on it. But hey, brother, and I thought, man, I don't know what that hacking is, but that had to be the evidence of whatever you get. When you get called to preach, that had to be it. <laughs> Dumber than a box of rocks. I mean, when they ordained me, they shouldn't have. That's a fact. It wasn't that I didn't have a call on me. Am I right, Debbie? Please say yes. She's shaking her head. She's shaking her head. But here's what I pray. God put this in my heart. And I could weep. I, I said, Lord, look, it felt so good. I wanted it. But it, but it, but it felt, so good. it felt so good. It was terrifying to think that I was called to preach this book. <laughs> See, y'all didn't know me. An old toe-headed an old toe-headed, big horn, black horn rim, uh, a crew-cut little boy run up and down Pond Fork that didn't know squat. God had called him to the ministry. And I said, Lord, if you've called me, here's what I'm going to ask you. I said, you make sure the people in the pew witness your call on me. You make sure they know it's from you and not from someone else. 
And y'all know the Lord has done it. Wendell, your testimony, I can't tell you how much your testimony was a blessing to me. Down through the years of the ministry, that has happened to me time and again. I've done a funeral and somebody says, you know, this or that. And God has seen fit, hadn't he, Debbie? People come and say, you know, you, you, you know I believe God's got his hand on you. We need that. We, and Paul knew that. We not only need, listen, listen, you, I not only need this, but you need it. You need for me to need it. Do you hear me? I'm your pastor. God sent me here. And if I don't have the touch of God, if I don't have the power of God, I can't help you. Turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse chapter 1, verse 5. Listen to what he said there. And I, and I, I pray this prayer or this verse before I get in the pulpit. I pray it. I pray it almost daily. There's rarely a day that I don't pray this. For our gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. In the book of Colossians, Paul said, pray for me. He said, but pray also for me. Well, I'll turn back a page and get it. With all praying for me, that God would open a door of utterance for me, that I may preach the gospel for which I am in, in bonds. He said that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Listen, friend, we need the power of God. Can, can, can I? We need the power of God on the choir. We need the power of God on your piano. And I think you got it, girlfriend, by the way. We need the power of God on the Good News Club. We need the power of God on your plungers when you work on the commode. We need the power of God on your ushers, every one of them. We need the power of God on Sunday school teachers. We need the power of God in these pews. We need the power of God on our, on our, on our, on our board, our, our board, our trustees, our pastors. We need the power of God on us. We need the power of God on the men and the women who go on Saturdays, give up their time to hang door hangers or to witness. We need the power of God on a bus driver and the bus that he, We need the power of God on everything we do. Even the people that sit in the bird's nest and run the south. That's not an easy job up there. Do you all know that? And I tell you, first of all, it's hot, like right now. But it's demanding. And listen, if he doesn't get it right, if they don't get it right, it can, it can put a hiccup in the service. And it's not so much it bothers the Spirit of God as much as it does the people that should have the Spirit of God in them. Bless God, can't they get it right? They do probably 99.9% .9 of the time. You all ought to think, when's the last time you think Jason or Tim or David for doing that up there. Well, you ought to. You ought to. I, it felt so good meddling in this morning. I just thought I'd do a little bit of it tonight. I'm getting done. Come on, Judy. You know what else he's left us? Two things. He's left us unfailing promises and undying love. See, I could weep right now because he loves me. You ever did, did anybody beside me ever do any daisy petal picking? She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. I liked it when the last one said she loves me, but boy, when I got the one that said she loves me not, I found me another daisy. I like that answer. I remember the first time I put on a little note Sent it by Sheila Freeman. Johnson was her name. 
Do you like me? Yes or no? Y'all remember that? And you had that little box? I've been in love with her ever since the fifth grade, y'all. That's pretty important. And, and, you, and you ladies, y'all just sit there. You know the man's got all the weight on him. Y'all don't know what the pressure of rejection is. Y'all, they're flipping your hair up. Do you know it's little stuff? We, we, we know that our life is in your hands. You see, we ask you, will you? And you all, you all can either make us feel like a king or crumble us like a defeated foe. You, you can break us. Am I right, gentlemen, or not? I never forget the first time I asked her to a movie. I wanted to take her to someplace dark so I could smooch on her. I'll just tell you. We ate popcorn too, but I was more, I was more concerned about getting a kiss before she went home. I waited till the last bus stop before I slithered up behind her. I was about to have a heart attack at what? That put me about 11, 12 years old. And I slunk down in the seat and I said, Would you go to the movies with me tonight? And she turned around, that big long, black, dark brown hair, those blue eyes. She said, Yeah. Yeah. It was on from then. I'm glad God loves me. I used to say I don't know why he does because I've learned that he can't do anything but. I mean, it's not, it's not like God gets up in the morning and says, well, I guess I'm going to love Tom again today. God is love. It's not just what he does, it's what he is, and therefore that's what he does. He just loves us. But I tell you what, he's got unfailing promises. Let me give you a little story. Y'all have heard it. The lady, she was sick and dying. She got her pastor to come and visit. He was sitting by the bedside, pre-hospice and all of those things. And I'm glad for hospice, so I'm not downing it. I'm real high on hospice. And they were chatting, and she said, Pastor, would you care to get my Bible? Read me some scripture. He got it, began to open the pages. And y'all have heard this before, but it's still a good illustration. She be, he began to look, and in certain places there would be a P. And over here there'd be a PTP and a P and a PTP. And he said, Sis, can I ask you something? He said, I, I saw you making some notes in your Bible and I like that. He said, But I don't, don't understand what they are. He said, Could you tell me what the P stands for? She said, Oh, yeah, preacher. She said, That's when I've been reading my Bible and I found a promise. I'd just mark it and put a P beside of it. He said, That makes sense. He said, What about the PTP? She said, Oh, preacher, that's even better. It's when I found a promise, tried it, and proved it. So I PTP. We can, we can try God in His promises. He never fails. Look, there's a lot to be done. Listen, listen folks, a short time to do it in. A short time to do it in. Let me ask you something. You all that come every Sunday, when's the last time you've invited somebody to come with you? Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. When's the last time you thought enough about your workmate, your classmate, person you always see at the, at the market, person you always see at the post office. I don't, I don't know how many times I asked my old postmaster, uh, would he come? He was always kind, he was always kind, took everything that I gave him. I even said, now look, don't let me push you. I don't want to do that. But I do want you to know I love you and I'd like to see you come. Always kind. 
Now he's, he's no longer there. I don't know where he's at. But I've got the good memory that I invite him to come to Christ. The new one's there. I've asked him too. Do you know what I'm saying? We, we ought to invite. People need to hear. And you'd be surprised. Maybe someday you'll find out. Somebody said, well, y'all go with me. And they'll come and see. You say, boy, preacher, I wish you'd change the style of your preacher. Everybody listen. Listen real close. You get lost people here, and I guarantee you God will change you. Right? God will change you. Father, we're thankful tonight.